Why, hello there. My name is Ashley Lillian, and today I'm going to be doing a podcast over the different arts, such as Hindu art and architecture, Buddhist art and architecture, Christian art and architecture, Greco-Roman art and architecture. I'm going to be explaining how these arts are shaped by innovation and adaptation and creativity of the specific societies. All right, so I'm going to be starting off with Hindu architecture. So Hindu architecture obviously has evolved a lot over the centuries. It used to mainly just be um, different carvings and rocks and giant shrines. And most of these giant architectures are often dedicated to the religions. Um, The temples that are usually built happen to have a lot of geometric animals um they include depictions of gods uh worshipers animals floral and geometric patterns while the stone carvings have changed a lot today they still have the same purpose as in the beginning a lot of it is devoted to their god and just in general, to worshipping in the highest way that they can. It was influenced by early Buddhist structures, such as the stupa, and the first Hindu temples were built from rock cutout caves, which I believe is very interesting. Okay, so we're going to talk about some Hindu temple features. So a Hindu temple, which is also known as a mandir, is laid out to the eight cardinal directions, which is very interesting. And a god is representing each one, which is also known as a dikapla. Excuse my um, mispronunciation of all these words. I already know that it's not going to be great, but there's not much I can do about that. So most of these temples are very elaborately um, extremely elaborately carved out on the outside. They are very decorative, if I should say. Um, one of the most important parts of a Hindu temple is the Garhibhajriha. I don't, I know I'm not saying that right, but it's translated literally to the womb chamber. It's a small windowless shrine room, and it's located in the very heart or the center of the temple. Um, It's a symbol or representation of a specific god that was placed there. Um, And worshippers believe that all the energy flows from all different directions from around the temple, and it locates directly in the center, which is why it's such an important and very specific shrine room. Um... Many of the earlier temples only consisted of this room, but over time, there is many additions built, and then, of course, you know, the temples got more beautiful and more elaborate in their decorations, and yeah, the all the carvings got more elaborate, and yes, I would suggest looking up a picture of the Gopura and Natarija temple. Because that temple depicts a lot of people on the outside of it. And it has many different tiers. 
and it has symbols of the gods, and it's overall very beautiful, and I cannot describe it in words, but it is very beautiful, and I would highly suggest looking at it. Alright, so next I'm going to be starting to talk about the Hindu art. Um, Hindu art usually represents a plethora of beliefs. Um, Hinduism has deeply influenced different styles of painting, sculpture, and architecture in India specifically. Um, as we just talked about, architecture is incredibly detailed, and they're usually um, the architecture is usually devoted to specific things. Um, a Hindu temple generally consists of the inner room, which we already talked about, but those rooms are still to convey the most energy, and a lot of times they used architecture to represent that energy. Um, there's two different styles of, uh, sorry, there's two different styles of temples, such as the Naraga style, which is characterized by the beehive shape, and then there's the South Indian style, which is the Dharavidya, uh, which has multiple layered pavilions, which I think is very interesting. Um, so yeah, those are some of the different types of architecture. And that's one of their main forms of art. But once again, I would suggest looking at pictures of them because words cannot truly convey how beautiful and detailed these monuments are. So most Hindus also believe in a supreme god. Um, which is what they often devote these things to. And then there's many different sculptures devoted to this god. Um, one sculpture that's very famous in particular is called um, the Lord of Dance. It's a, um, it is an entity that has displaying multiple arms and <coughs> this specific picture is the goddess Shati, which literally means power. But um, it was created, I guess, um, from around 1950 to 1000 CE, which um, I think is pretty old. <laughs> Um, but it does have multiple arms, which is often a sign of being a god. If you have multiple arms, it's a sign of power. And yeah, so that's one of their main arc pieces. They don't have as many paintings as other cultures do, but they do have a lot of architecture and a lot of um, sculptures. All right, so we're going to be moving on to Buddhist art. So, the Buddhist art style is very different than a lot of modern styles. Most of their pictures are either depicting Buddha, or they're in a mandala kind of shape. Mandalas are a circular kind of patterned piece. Most of them symbolize peace in general, and peace with mind and soul. But... Oftentimes, they are brightly colored. 
Buddhists tend to go to the brightly colored side of things. Lots of oranges and reds and yellows often in their pieces. But if it's not a mandala, they often have depictions of Buddha sitting down. There's many, many, many different types of symbols of Buddha. And most of these ones that I'm talking about right now are either tapestries or paintings. But there also are um, sculptures. There's many sculptures of Buddha. Um, Most of them are of him sitting down once again, which is to help symbolize peace. Okay, so next up we're going to be talking about Buddhist architecture. So, very similarly to the Hindu architecture, there's different types of structures associated with the religious architecture of early Buddhism. So, I already know I'm not going to say these things right, but, oh well. There's the monasteries, which are the viharas, which, and then um, the stupas, and shrine or prayer halls, which are chayatiyas, also called chayatas grihas. Um, yeah, I already knew I wasn't going to say those right, but oh well. But very similarly, they do have some really grand temples, and then they also have some of the not-so-grand. Um, lots of different styles. They have some of the more, um, dome-like structures, and then they also have the typical, uh, more squared-off. And as most religions start off, their original temples weren't so grand. They were just basically little carvings out of stone and little with little rooms. But you know, as Buddhism started to pick up, they got more grand, bigger, more elaborate, larger, and obviously more detailed and decorative. Okay, so we're going to be talking about some Christian art. So there's many different, very important paintings in Christian societies, but there's not a lot of pre-Jesus art. Most likely that's because considering the fact that before Jesus came, Christianity wasn't considered really Christianity. It was more considered Judaism or um, Jewish So if you're looking up Jewish art, that would probably be more pre-Jesus art. Um, But there's a few very important paintings, such as the Last Supper painting. The Last Supper painting is basically a depiction of Jesus with his disciples eating his last meal before he goes to die on the cross. Um, It's a very large painting, and they're all sitting at a very large table. And while it does depict some chaos over on the uh, right-hand side. It is mostly peaceful, and it just depicts Jesus basically doing what he does best, loving people. Another very famous um, image is Jesus hanging on the cross, and that's a very important one just because that is what he was known for. He died on the cross for Christianity, etc., etc. Another really important thing for Christian art is that it has a lot of stained glass. Stained glass is very important because it also is hanging up in a lot of churches. But most of these 
images just in general, whether it's painting or stained glass, depict Jesus being a caring person. Like, there's many of Jesus holding a lamb or he's helping a boy. Um, other images include um, the Virgin Mary holding Jesus as a child. And, um, yeah, some, those are some of the really important ones. There's also a lot of really modern, like, probably within the last 20 years, modern, modern art. Uh, they depict Jesus or just have different symbols of the cross. Overall, they're very beautiful. They just aren't as much what we're looking at. Um, Christianity doesn't have as many sculptures. Well, it does have some. It just doesn't have as many. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for Christian art. Okay, so next we are going to be talking about Christian architecture. And so... Christian architecture has varied very deeply throughout time. It used to just be buildings that people would worship in, and then it developed into some larger, grander churches that have very high ceilings and are extremely beautiful, have tons of stained glass in them, have lots of stone carvings, etc., etc. Especially in the Catholic religion, there's many, many, many... Um, beautiful, beautiful churches. Um, they have stone carvings out on the inside, actually. Most of these aren't as pretty on the outside, while they are relatively very pretty. Um, they're not as carved or elaborate. Some of them are, but not all of them. If you go on the inside, that's usually where the most um, decorated it is. They have carvings in the ceilings, walls, etc., etc., and obviously lots of stained glass. And so this is just to help depict the beauty of Christianity, I guess. There's not as much information about this architecture, but it is still very prevalent. Okay, so we are going to be talking about Greco-Roman art. So right off the bat, there's already so many more sculptures than anything else. There's not very many paintings similar, unlike many of the other religions and stuff that we looked at already. Um, there's different types of sculptures. There's the standalone sculptures, and then there's the ones that are carved into different objects, such as, obviously, stone. Um, a very famous one that you would probably recognize if you saw it is the discus thrower. And yeah, most of these are depicting full body and very important people, such as gods or uh, very important people. Um, some of them are just depicting heads, which I find very interesting because a lot of the other arts that we have looked at usually depict more than just a head. And while these do have some full body figures, they do have a, tend to have a lot of just from the neck up people, which I think is really interesting. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about Greco-Roman architecture. And so, something that you would know right off the bat is the Colosseums. And so we're going to talk about the general characteristics. Um, yeah, so they use a lot of columns in their um, architecture to help support 
So there's a difference between the Greek and Roman. It's just how much they're embellished, really. But since we are talking about Greco-Roman, I think it's important to talk about both. So a lot of the Greek ones have more of a rounded top on their... uh, (coughs) (coughs) They have a rounded top on their columns. But the Romans tend to have a more embellished top, which I think is really interesting. But yeah, obviously there's the really famous things such as the Colosseum for Roman architecture, which obviously is very beautiful. And then there's the, pardon me, but I don't know how to say this, Parthion, Parthion in Athens, which is probably the equivalent to the beautiful Roman Colosseums. But yeah, they have very beautiful architecture. It's very based off these columns, though. Columns are very persistent in all of these sculptures, which I think is actually really cool. But yeah. Alrighty, so I think that's about it for me. But I enjoy talking about all these different things. And yeah, I hope you have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening.